Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now that you've found UBN Radio and discovered our quality talk shows, it's time to spread the word to friends, family, and the universe. 24 hours of music and talk. Radio without limits. That's why people keep coming back for more. That's UBNRadio.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Richard Listens on Sports. I'm your host, Peter Sobe. I'm happy to be here, as I am every other Monday night. It's always an exciting time to be here at the amazing Sunset Gower Studios in the heart of Hollywood, on the corners of Sunset Boulevard and Gower Avenue. And, uh, you know, I always forget to do this until later in the show, but I'm going to do it right up on top. Our amazing Amazing engineer Jarvis Essex is here with us, like he always is. And I want to give him a shout out here as the show starts. Instead of like, he's so modest, he won't play the applause track. <laughs> instead of like, with one minute left, being like, "Oh yeah, thanks, Jarvis," but uh, he's the guy that's putting up all the graphics and uh, making everything happen behind the boards, and we appreciate you. Tremendous Jarvis. fan feedback out there for Jarvis Essex, and that voice you're hearing is none other than Dr. Richard Olberger. And you know what's funny, Dr. Richard, is that in past shows, boy, I really popped my pee there in uh, Radio Talk. We're here live on live streaming radio TV, and I'm popping my peas. So, you know, before we kind of got schooled on a bunch of stuff, or at least me, you're you're the professional. But, you know, after we experienced uh, a, a day with Dr. Ken Revisa, um, I learned, which I did not know, that you really technically can't call yourself a sports psychologist technically. And I had been doing that time and time again, even if you are a psychologist and you have clients who are athletes. Well, there is, there's a regimen you have to go through, but it's a whole shebang. It's still developing. Uh, it was part of a conversation I had with our uh, esteemed guest uh, while we were out there in Cleveland. Uh, but it's changing. The landscape is, is continually developing about what the credential should be and what expertise is necessary and, and uh, is being a psychologist with uh, working in this field and working with athletes enough. So, you know, some of it is if you believe it and you do it and uh, people have the confidence and you help people like Dr. Ken Revisa has um, and you can build that credibility over years. Uh, and it certainly was they did it at a time when there was so much stigma where uh, – believe uh, they had to get snuck in the stadiums and delivery boy uniforms and things like that. So it's a lot easier landscape right now. But there's still some some gray out there about uh, whose proprietary it is, whether it should be an exercise science or whether it should be a psychological science. But Interesting. And, you know, it might be future fodder for a future show. We did meet a gentleman that day named Rodney who potentially might be on the show down the road, and that would be a great topic kind of discussing the ins and outs of actual sports psychology. And uh, speaking of future shows, does that show sound interesting to our audience? Watching us on Facebook Live at www.facebook.com, Richard Listens, or right here on Channel 1 on UBN Radio TV, give us your feedback. You know, like what kind of shows? You know, like our, our motto is talking about sports psychology and the intersections in between. You know, what do you want to hear about um, at yeah, the end of the show? they don't want to hear shop talk. You exactly. know, for most people, it's 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 boring. And it's, uh, you know, if if you've got credibility and you've got work in the field and you're helping athletes, that's what matters. But for some of the higher credentialed bodies for the, you know, there's some people really take pride that they're uh, Olympic certified. And certainly uh, Jack Lisak, who trained us, uh, has been at the highest level. And, and you can see his level of training and expertise and, and glad to glean off his knowledge uh, last month. Totally. And so if you are watching us on Facebook.com, Richard Listens, be sure to give us a comment or a question. And we always do our best to mention them all in the air. 
want to say hello to uh, our long-standing constant supporter, AJ Collier, is with us. Hi, AJ. He's back. One of the Seville boys. Good to see you again. We have Vicki Eckert, my friend. Thank you for joining us, Vicki Eckert. And uh, if I don't mention your name, kind of like I say a lot, like I don't get to see every name that pops up. But when I do, I'll try to mention you and definitely leave us a comment or question and Always feel free to contact us at the Richard Listens page on Facebook. And, yeah, let us know what you want to hear, what you thought about the show, your thoughts. At the end of this show, we're going to talk about some exciting upcoming shows that we have and topics. We like to think that we talk about things a little outside of your everyday average sports show, especially since we're dealing with psychology and such. We do have a very exciting show for you today, we believe, um, can't wait to introduce our guests coming all the way from the East Coast in Connecticut. That will be coming up soon. I'm going to leave it kind of a mystery for right now. We do have our new feature with Coach Kit Kat, Caitlin, in Mexico City coming up in just a few short, short minutes from now, giving us our great, incredible wellness fitness tip for the week. That's been really exciting. We've gotten some great feedback about that, and Caitlin's a really incredible addition to the show wouldn't you say dr richard i'm drinking my water with lemon i take those tips to heart right exactly although i have to say when when i get you know like challenged during the week like are you you know come on where's where's the squat goals you know so i've got a surprise i've got i've got a surprise for okay so when we bring when we bring around (laughs) in just a moment here richard has a surprise for coach kit kate caitlin On a final note, before we get to that, uh, you might notice uh, Richard will go into more detail behind his hat, but we do talk about hats and cubs and donuts a lot on this show here and there, but today I am wearing, like usual, a Chicago Cubs hat. Richard has a Cleveland Indians hat, which I will let him explain the significance of, but nonetheless, I think it's pretty cool that we sit here on this show, Richard Listens on Sports, representing the 2016 World Series. That's right. That's pretty cool. And at least one of those teams looks headed back. <laughs> maybe both. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah, the Cubs are finally showing some some uh, some bright spots, despite the fact that they lost to the lowly White Sox today. But I won't get into that. And we don't really talk about those type of sports things on this show, even though we're passionate about sports. But I will let you talk a little bit more about why you are wearing your Cleveland Indians hat after our fitness wellness segment with Caitlin. How about that, Dr. Richard? Sounds like a plan. So without further ado, I would like to introduce back to the show with the feature fitness wellness with Coach Kit Kat. It's our very own Caitlin Patricia Weiler. I'm trying to add extra calories into my <laughs> diet program. No? Right. <laughs> I thought it's Kit Kate, right? Are we not getting that right? No, Richard's got it right. Peter, you got some work to do. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it's just my Chicago pronunciation, you know, Kit Kate. Okay. So, so Richard, tell me, how is that how's that deadlift or squat coming? Oh, it's up to it's up to 205. Very nice. And just Very for nice. you, so and just for you, we wore this shirt tonight. I don't know if we can see it, but you know, yeah, I can't see. It says it's hard to read, but it says squat goals. Oh, I like that. Squat goals. I love squat it. Squat goals. Maybe it's stand up down to, to perfect parallel, right? No <laughs> cheating. You know what? It's all about the form and functional movement. I want to be healthy, and I want to be exactly. supported, and I want to now, be pain free. I was doing a coaching session with my boyfriend this morning, and we were doing some deadlifts and. I always stop people because there was a year of my time where I actually coached some CrossFit classes and so many people in those situations are super competitive and they completely throw away the form, the functionality, like you said. So I love to hear that. Yes. As much as probably both of both of the guests on the show probably can destroy me. I'm okay with that. Right. (laughs) And I'm okay with staying pain free. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it is an ego check. But that being said, before we get into your tip, Caitlin, You know, Richard has come a long way in his whole fitness regimen. It's very inspiring for us all. Jarvis, do you have uh, some photos for us? These are current after photos of Richard. Check this out, people of the world. Our very own Dr. Richard Olberger getting fit. These these were not (laughs) – they have not been released. 
<laughs> yes, and this is like the official debut of these photos. They are now live to the world for perpetuity. Oh, boy. And this is just the beginning. I mean, Richard, you've come a long way, man. It's like I never saw topless pictures of you before, <laughs> but, you know, I've known you now for several years, and, I mean, you are looking fit and trim, my man. Well, yes, looking great, Richard. Thank you both. There's, I there's... love that you said you had your your lemon in your water with you too. <laughs> but it's it's you know it's it's more that this was yeah this was not easy to keep going and consistent and, and in fact at the end of all this there's I'd love to hear from both our guests tonight. There's there's a burnout and a lock of like you know why are you doing it and where's where's the health and all this and where's the fun and so if anything there's a little burnout. Uh, so I'm interested how uh, you handle that. But but that may be not the tip you share for tonight. Yeah. So. Well, I'll touch on that in a minute because I totally relate to that. And I kind of feel like I'm in one of those moments now of the burnout of like, you know, I you kind of you get in your routine and you get what works. But a lot of times once you go through a couple months or whatever of doing what works, not only may that you kind of plateau and that stop working, but you also get bored with it. So you have to be creative with yourself and I kind of have to backtrack of, okay, well, what was I, some things I was doing before that I stopped doing that I can kind of go back to and um, moving around a lot, living in Miami and living in Los Angeles and living in Boston to now Mexico city, living in those different places has changed my diet drastically. Um, so I guess kind of some thoughts today to myself were I'm kind of sick of eating the same thing, but I want to, lose a couple of pounds or get a little bit more fit for the next few weeks. And it's okay. Well, what can I revert back to? What was I doing in Miami? That's different than what I'm doing now in Mexico city. So I think a lot of times we just kind of get into a cycle, but we have to remind ourselves to break the cycle a little bit to add, like you said, more fun and more, I mean, you never want to be bored with food because I think we can all agree that most of us love to eat. So you want to be creative and enjoy what you eat, even if you're, you know, trying to be a little more careful and conscious of what you're consuming. And how do you do that? I mean, you know, more common not for you to be living, living abroad, but for people who are traveling all the time, how you stay uh, connected with your your fitness uh, and diet. Um, Yes, when I have clients, traveling is definitely their biggest challenge, but I think you know, always being prepared, always bringing like for me, I have like favorite protein bars. So I always keep those, you know, as my go to in my bag. So if there's only like, you know, a fast food option, I have my other option in my bag with me and just kind of always thinking forward, I think is the best way to, you know, not have yourself fail and and remind yourself why you're doing it in the first place. And I think a lot of my clients can remind themselves when they did enjoy say that fast food, I always tell them, remind yourself how you felt after you ate that meal. You think you wanted it and it made you feel good. Well, usually it's the opposite. It makes you feel not so good. And then you're like, okay, I like my new lifestyle eating healthy because I feel better. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got bonus tips from Caitlin this week. (laughs) And actually, it's interesting because if you encapsulate kind of these three bonus tips we just got, one is look backwards when you need inspiration to remember what worked for you in the past. And one is look forward and be prepared. Amazing. I love that. Look backwards, look forward. And then it comes to my tip of the day, which is, you know, very simple because when I came to my tip last week about, I don't know, just simple thinking or the way we live or what do we have to do every week to survive? We all go to the grocery store. We all go shopping, right? But when you're going through the grocery store, you don't have a list. You don't have a plan. You kind of go to the grocery store, maybe to be social. You see a friend, you say hello, You might get distracted. Then you're moseying down the aisles with the cookies and the sugary cereals. And, oh, that's on sale. I love that. Let's just throw that in the cart, you know, and you're not really thinking. And then you get to the register and there's, you know, 10 items full of sugar or whatever that are processed foods in your cart that you weren't really intending to buy in the first place. So my tip for this week is very simple. When you go to the grocery store, just stay at the perimeter of the store because that's where you're going to find your fresh fruits, your fresh vegetables, meats, um, those kind of things, not in the center of the grocery store where you're going to find, like I said, the processed cookies, cereals, and different things like that, that might tempt you and might throw you off the game that you're trying to play, which is healthy, feeling good with the foods that you're putting in your body. That's amazing. And you know, one thing, this is really basic, Caitlin, but I've learned this the hard way over and over and over again. But you know, what I do is also just never go to the grocery store hungry. 
That's yeah, like the that's worst, another thing. Absolutely. The worst, worst, worst Especially thing. Especially when they're like one of those grocery stores that's giving you all the samples. That's even worse. Right. So, yeah, make sure that you go to the grocery store after you've had a meal. Because that yeah. way you, you could be focused on what you want to buy and like everything in the store doesn't look good. But I mean, it's great if you have time to provide yourself with a list and go to the store with a plan. But realistically, how much do we often do that? Not much. So when you're in a pinch, you don't have a lot of time, you're going in the store. If you want to stay focused, tell yourself to stay out of the middle aisles and go for the good natural food. Stay on the perimeter. I like it. It's like a basketball like metaphor. absolutely and plus if you're on the perimeter and and you're sinking the three-point shots you're succeeding in life that's great so succeed in the grocery store you can even use the the shopping cart as your basket you know yeah i appreciate that that little self-talk sometimes is that little thing you can say to yourself and i'm sure melissa will will give us some tips on this in the batter's box and on the diamond but you know i found also dehydration when it's hot out here in california when the sugar is low water's low and then all of a sudden i'm like 99 cents oatmeal cookies like everywhere is that everything's a dollar right and mm-hmm. it's high sugar and your body's like yes i need that right i mean i'm like finding myself craving things i n- never want well, um, yeah and exactly and i just was saying that to my boyfriend today too like he said oh i'm hungry i said well drink some water and he's like well no i want to eat and i said well a lot of times you're your body tricks you to think you're hungry when you're really just dehydrated. So that's another trick too, wow. is just you know, if you're feeling hungry, have you drank water in the last hour or two? Are you getting enough water? Because the, drink a glass of water, maybe wait five or 10 minutes and see how you feel. That's also going to help you from not eating those dollar cookies. <laughs> this is amazing. We got like 18 great health and wellness tips today. <laughs> so Caitlin, before we say goodbye to you real quick, tell us what kind of clients do you help and how do they reach you? Well, I help anybody and everybody who's looking to live a healthier, happier lifestyle. I mainly focus on your nutrition and habit-based coaching so that we can look at how you're living your life and make small tweaks so it doesn't make you feel um, like you're, you know, have a burden by making these changes in your life. I want to make changes for you that will last a lifetime so that after you work with me for a month or two, that you can be off on your own, you can make conscious choices without even thinking, um, but never be on a diet because who likes to be on a diet? That's not fun at all. And if you'd like to work with me, you can go to my website, kitbody.com and reach out to me on there on Facebook, Instagram, Caitlin Patricia Weiler, kitbody on Facebook and kitbody fitness on Instagram and Kit Kate is my personal. So I have, you know, seven or eight avenues you guys can reach me at. Amazing. Caitlin, thank you so much for being on, being a part of the Richard Listens on Sports Show, and we can't wait to see you again in two weeks. Yes, no, thank you. I have a great tip for you guys next week, and Richard, I'll be checking on that squat number two ten, right? <laughs> you got to go up by ten, right? Two fifteen, I guess. Yep. Uh, <laughs> well, don't push it. Remember functionality. <laughs> All right, Thanks, Caitlin. Caitlin Patricia Weiler, thank you. All right, Doctor Richard, that was great. That was a lot of information packed into five, six, seven minutes there. That was a lot. Now I feel like we've left Melissa in the bullpen. She's like, yeah, she's, based. you know, she's been loosening up, warming up. <laughs> she knows all the metaphors. She knows how it's done. And so uh, I also want to take this opportunity to say hello to some Facebook eyeballs. We have, uh, oh, Stephen Dominico, a friend of mine, and another Carlton Hudson. Hey, so good to see him. Carlton Hudson is. This guy that I produced a short film, I think two years ago, maybe three years ago, and I hired him as a PA, but he came in and turned into like super grip PA, swing man. Do you love when that happens? Yeah. I mean, he was such a go-getter. Now he's like, he's there working like, working on big projects and it's amazing. He's really, really an inspiration, like his hard work ethic. Like, you know, it's like you come in, you work hard, you move up. It's great. So, hi, Carlton. Thanks for tuning in. My old, wow, Debbie Dunaway Taylor, who I went to community college with way back in the day. Wow. She's tuned in. Hi, Debbie. So it's really good to see you. And uh, once again, if I don't mention your name, I can't see all of the eyeballs, but we try to mention everyone we can. Don't forget to write down any questions or comments. So it's going to be a 
you know, kind of a, a lengthy introduction here. So have no worries over there, Jarvis. We're getting things prepared here. <laughs> We're a loose show like that. But I want to talk a little bit about our guest now, Richard. Um, our guest is... We're not bringing her up on screen yet, but I want to tell you a little bit about her. Her name's Melissa Lambert. She's coming to us live from Hartford, Connecticut. She is the Director of Extended Day Treatment at the Village for Families and Children over there in Hartford, Connecticut. But she's really an extraordinary woman, really inspiring. She's also a mental skills coach. She's a speed and agility coach. She's a consultant columnist for Athletes Acceleration and Diamond Zone Training Facility, I mean, when does Melissa sleep, Richard, you know? I think while running, I've learned. Okay. She's training for a marathon as well. And so before <laughs> we bring her on, now shortly, quickly, tell us why you're wearing your Cleveland Indians hat. Well, you know, I was I was talking with Peter earlier. It was a great uh, pleasure last month. I mentioned uh, Jack Lisak in the conference uh, out there in Middlesburg, Ohio. Uh, fine suburbs of Cleveland. And it's always amazing when you get out there in your professional journey um, and you're you're working hard, you're in your grind every day, and you want to step out and you want to step into your inspiration. And you get out there to a professional conference and you meet the people that are also aspiring to be trendsetters, to carve their own way. And there's something, you know, very special that happens in those moments because it's it's an opportunity to connect, it's an opportunity to support one another and say, and just the creative ideas that start to fly around in terms of the impact you want to have uh, with young athletes, with people who've suffered trauma, uh, with people, you know, like yourself. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a real, the, the process of flow begins to be embodied. And so... I was real grateful to uh, meet our guest, Melissa, out there in Cleveland at the conference and to um, to begin like the words were just flowing on the page of what are the next steps and to be able to be a part of someone else's journey similar to mine in helping people with trauma, still trying to take care of their own fitness journey and then trying to step out and carve their way into the sports psychology field. So Amazing. Yeah. Melissa Lambert, welcome. And Melissa, you are a trooper. It is now eleven twenty-three p.m. in Connecticut. It is. It's a little past my bedtime, but I'm I'm here. I'm bringing the energy. I'm ready to go. Amazing. So you and Richard met in Cleveland at this conference, and That's uh, right. I did kind of like a laundry list of all of these things that you encompass and you do, Melissa. So uh, tell us a little bit. Let's start with, you know, you're at the the uh, village. What is that? What's Just tell us about that before we get into you and the other things. Sure. Um, I first have to start off in saying I wish I knew you were wearing your Cleveland hat because Richard and I went to Progressive Fields, saw the Indians playing, got some, some twin matching hats. So I'm feeling a little left well, out. I did, I did promise um, you a special surprise because yeah. you know, it's 11 and I know you want to get the workout energy. That yes, band, so. the headband. I asked for the headband. <laughs> the <neon. laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so the Villager Families and Children, it's um, a nonprofit organization, and the mission really is to, you know, change children's lives, mainly in Hartford, um, but they expand out um, into other areas as well. So we have several programs, everything from foster care, outpatient, um, subacute, which is where kids actually live there. Um, so it's kind of a, a residential type setting. Um, several other programs that are funded um, by DCF that kind of help support children and families in crisis. So the program that I'm the director of there is the Extended Day Treatment Program. Um, it's a six-month group therapy-based after-school program, and it serves children ages 5 to 14. Um, we are located in four locations with Hartford obviously being our biggest. Um, so it is very much, you know, an inner city population. Um, the kids come, they have to have a mental health diagnosis and many of them are referred from individual outpatient, from hospitals, from schools. 
uh, where individual therapy alone just isn't enough. So many of the kids that we see are coming in with pretty complex trauma, uh, anything from mood disorders, you know, ADHD, the, the whole nine yards, um, we see it. So the cool part about our program though, that most intensive programs aren't offering is the ability to take the kids out into the community. So we use a lot of experiential learning with the children. So you're teaching coping skills, uh, you're, you're having these conversations about how to understand feelings and what that looks like in behaviors, but then being able to actually practice out in the community, engaging various activities that these kiddos often don't get the opportunity to participate in. Um, so it's a really neat program. Wow, that's amazing. Very inspiring. Yeah, and to be the director of that and to, I mean, how many days go by without some sort of dysregulated crisis occurring on your watch not many yeah it's it's, uh it's quite a bit some days feel like the vacation you know the kids are great you're you're having a great time in the day and then um other days you don't know what you're gonna get you're kind of feeling like you're in er and might be chasing a child down the street might be a kiddo who's just feeling actively suicidal um you just you don't know what you're gonna get but um, it's worth the rewards at the end when you can build those relationships and feel like you're making a difference. That's amazing. I mean, you must be making a difference for lots of kids out there. We're trying our best. Do they let you bring in any form of play or anything creative that you've found works the best? Ah, uh, you must knew it was on my head right there. Oh, yes. Yeah, that is my main. Um, I saw something about a minor league baseball game in there too. Which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So getting away from kind of that that peer reviewed you know theory of of psychology, um, play is probably one of the strongest avenues in how we really touch kids' lives. Um, so I have to shout out kind of uh, Emily Saul right now and Life is Good Playmakers out in Boston, but that is a big part of our program. So it is a uh, play therapy based group that incorporates kind of warm ups, big active games and then cool down activities. Um, and really, we create a culture out of that that's playful with our staff, um, our families and our children. So we're bringing that play into our staff meetings We're bringing it into our you know, multifamily groups, um, into our family sessions. So that translates into kids. So many of the kids that we work with that, like I had mentioned before, that experience trauma, don't have opportunities to play, don't have safe spaces. Um, anyone who's kind of learned the research behind it, we, you know, we build those uh, neural connections in our brain from play and experience. When we don't have that experience, we're not learning and we're not expanding. Um, so plays a, a huge part in kind of building uh, self-regulation skills, connectedness, joy, um, and the ability to to just be able to be a kid. Um, many of them, like I said, are, are constantly in that fight or flight mode, and they don't have opportunities to just kind of laugh and just be a kid that, you know, some of us have maybe, you know, have the luxury of kind of just having that play my entire childhood and how to support a family. And um, some of these kids don't. So we provide a lot of those opportunities to kind of help them be able to just be a child and, and remember, um, you know, where they can be in a place that they can just feel safe and connected. Wow, that's amazing. Speaking of childhood, Melissa, that's going to lead me into my next question for you. But I do want to say hi to a couple eyeballs here. We have Rutra, uh, Rutra Dharma. Is that a friend of yours, Melissa? We don't recognize the name. I doesn't ring a bell. But hi, Rutra. Thanks for joining us on the show. And our friend AJ Collier says, love the new segmented format. Thank you, AJ. We appreciate it. He's been watching the show for a long time. And not to, um, not to interrupt the flow here too much, but it dawned on me something I meant to mention on top of the show. Melissa, you know, this is a very... Very, very special show, not only because you are our very, very, very special guest, and it just made me think about it and thinking that AJ's been watching the show for a long time. We did a sample of this show. We tried it out back in March of 2016. We kind of did a one-and-done show called Richard Listens at the time, and we decided based on how much we enjoyed doing it and the feedback we got to create a biweekly show that exists now 
But the the real debut of the Richard Listens show was August 1st, 2016. And wow. so since we don't have a show next week, this is kind of our one-year anniversary show. All right. Ah, We've now been on the air for one year. How about that? Oh, thank you, Jarvis. <laughs> it's hard to believe, you know, Richard, that yeah. one year has gone by. It feels like more. It does, yeah. I mean, in some... No, it doesn't even feel like it. It feels like it's we've been doing it for three years, you know, but... But it is flying by. It does, yeah. And it's, and it's fun. Yeah, so it's been one year. We're hoping that it'll we be... We need play too, Melissa. Ten more years. <laughs> so, yeah, so thank you, AJ, for bringing that up and for being one of our loyal watchers and listeners. And, uh, and thank you, Melissa, for being our very special guest on our year anniversary show. Next time, we'll Thank have to you. I'm honored. Champagne. It's a great time to be on. So, with all that being said, you know, enough yakking about us and our big year <laughs> of broadcasting. You mentioned we've been talking about children. We're going to get a little bit more into youth sports. We actually have a whole lineup of things we want to talk about, and time goes by. So, I should just get to it instead of talking about what I'm going to get to. But <laughs> a little bit about your background, because, you know, I, I've been reading some interesting things about you. And the fact that, like, you know, you've been playing sports since you were five, and you said that you you lived in a very critical environment with high expectations. So kind of talk about that a little bit because it's kind of like, first of all, you've been involved in sports since five. Later we're going to share some great fitness photos of, of how active you are, but your background is what made you who you are now. And if, I would love if you would share with our audience a little bit about your childhood and growing up with sports and those expectations and how it made you the woman you are today. Sure. Absolutely. Um, it's an area that I feel extremely passionate about. So obviously I, I love working with children, but that's a big part of bringing play in sports kind of into the work that I do because of how much it impacted my own life and just my experience with it. Um, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the, the excitement, you know, everything about it has really shaped kind of who I am today um, so yes, I did have an interesting kind of critical environment of high expectations that were put on me. I very much had a supportive family though, who was all about, um, they wanted the best for me. So they didn't necessarily have, um, the opportunities that I have had and they wanted the best for me. And I know that, um, there's been a lot of, a little bit of sidetrack back here with with my past history, my family, but there is a lot of anxiety and depression that kind of exists in the family. Um, given kind of the expectations and this need to kind of succeed, I was an anxious kid to begin with. Um, and that kind of carried throughout my childhood and manifested in many different ways. Um, and it wasn't really until my teenage years of high school that I really felt it and recognized it. Um, and then it shifted into a different way in college. So I was at the point when I was little, I started soccer at five, I played t-ball, I played basketball, I ran track, and that was kind of my outlet. Um, I had a year where, uh, at third grade, where I spent most of my time in the nurse's office because I had gotten so nervous that I just would make myself sick. Um, and it was tough. It was tough on my parents. It was kind of tough on me. I, I think I thought it was the norm. That's what I knew as a kid. I was just anxious. Um, so then as I, you know, got older, it, it got better. Um, but then in high school, I kind of shifted and I became kind of more irritable and I was more into the social thing and, you know, got into some things that, you know, I look back on now and I, I probably wouldn't have made those choices. Um, but it was where I was at. I had a lot of athletic talent. I realized my passion for soccer um, that really came out and I did have a goal of wanting to play in college. Um, and honestly, that goal of knowing that I wanted to play in college and I'd have one shot only is really kind of what kept me down uh, straight and narrow. I think I could have easily had uh, drifted away. Um, so given that that was, you know, where I wanted to go, I was working towards that. However, I was pretty much a procrastinator. I was into the social time. So even though I got good grades, I participated in a multi-sport athlete, um, I just wanted to socialize and I waited till the last minute to do everything and that included college. Um, so I ended up going to a school that I, I didn't want to go. It, you know, it wasn't cool to be kind of in state, but um, that was one of those consequences of having to learn. And I, I have to say freshman year I went in, I struggled a little bit first semester. I think um, family was a little, little worried that I was not going to 
make use of college um, in the right ways. And I went and actually did a complete uh, 180. So my anxiety shifted, but more into a perfectionist role. So I went from being a procrastinator to needing to be have straight A's. I went from um, studying all the time to be in the weight room all the time to running constantly. Um, I battled a bit of an injury my sophomore year, but was able to make you know all conference as a sophomore in college as a defender, um, and really had a great coach and a great support team. And once I found that passion and knew where I wanted to go with it, um, it really changed kind of who I was and shifted um, my life from college and then moving forward to even where I am now. Wow, that's amazing. I'm wondering, Dr. Richard, you know, we spend a lot of time, we really want to inform our audience, motivate, inspire them. Melissa, your story is certainly inspiring. But this kind of reminds me of something that you brought up. And Melissa's journey speaks right into this is can you talk a little bit about the transforming motivation from inner or outer critic to blue? You kind of mentioned that to me and I'm unsure what it means, but you with your psychology degree and your doctorate and your somatic experiencing share with us, what does that mean? Well, yeah, I mean this, this journey you're talking about of like there's anxiety and, and our last guest, Chris stretch talked about at that age of being a high performing athlete and there's nobody even really, um, talking to you about the emotions behind it i'm I'm curious uh your your experience with that but he you know he was talking about all people know is well you're either performing and you're not performing um and how confusing that is as a teen but yeah how do you shift i mean i i admire what it takes to be in my experience to be a lockdown defender i mean three-time all conference you know uh and the amount of effort and was that did that become something that was like part of your regimen of I have to work hard every single instance and did that shift at some point to something that gave you a sense of joy and pride was there a shift into enjoying playing um, where it was a relief from pressure uh, or was it just more of an extension of that anxiety and and how did you separate that yeah actually um, I I would say a little a little bit of both Um, But really, the shift came in realizing that I was kind of living the dream so that, you know, that internal motivation, that drive of this was my goal. And that was kind of my aha moment of recognizing it it didn't matter what anyone else thought. I was I was able to create this for myself. And that was the that was the big piece and the, the real drive that I have the ability. I believed in myself and I didn't want to waste the next four years of of just, you know, trying to manage and and figure out and dwelling and the negative thoughts. It was kind of like, nope, this is it. And it's going to be a turnaround. Was there a Um, moment or a situation or, or was it the interaction with the positive coach that triggered that realization? Yeah, a little bit. So a little bit of both. So I had a, um, I was in a a negative relationship at the time. Um, It wasn't healthy for me that kind of carried from high school to college. Um, And I think that brought me down a little bit. I was, um, I was stuck in that. And also I think the realization, um, I had a great coach, uh, coach Chris Ambrosio. And to this day, he'll still, uh, if anything, if I needed anything, I could give him a call and just kind of check in on, on how things are going. I recently just saw him. I went down to the alumni game and it was like, things didn't change. It was 11 years ago. Um, He was, he was great with me in the sense that there was that uh, balance of support because he knew I was struggling, but then also that piece of like, you know, Hey, I, I recruited you to come here. I, this is the player I saw in you, this isn't working and you need to transfer. Let's do that. But you know, there was a balance between you got to figure it out. And I, I, you know, I know you can do this. Um, so I had gotten rid of kind of the negativity and I took that upon me, that motivation. So spring season, I just, I hit the weight room. I had some awesome roommates um, who also played soccer with me. And it just made a huge impact. We went and played all the time. I was playing in the tennis courts with the guys team. It was whatever I could do to get my foot on the ball and be out there. Um, so it, it ultimately became my outlet. It was no longer the stress. It was that excitement and that adrenaline of, you know, I had worked so hard in so many years to gonna get to this place and here I am and I'm gonna have a blast doing it. Um, and so much of that, I, I can speak to has really carried into who I am now 
um, and why I value sports so much. And um, and I know we'll we'll get talking about it, but the impacts of youth sports and how many people kind of miss the boat and coaches about what it's really all about. Um, it's, there's so much to be you know learned through sports and how much that kind of carries over into everyday life. Absolutely. And um, AJ would like to say, very inspiring story, Melissa. I think a lot of us out here can, uh, it strikes a chord with us. So thanks for sharing that. And um, also hello to Jamie Lynn Dahl here watching us on Facebook. Funny quick story. She's been my Facebook friend for a few years. We only know each other through Facebook and we actually crossed each other's path in the store, in the aisle of a Ralph's the other night without knowing it was us until like the next day. We're like, were you in Ralph's last night at midnight? Ooh. So it's that weird was when, you're, when your Facebook friends exist in real right. life too. <laughs> but that we didn't even recognize each other in real life was the weird thing about it. It was funny. You don't look like your Until photo. the next day. And it wasn't even that. It was just like, you know, you never met in person. Like you just kind of don't equate with it right away. But anyway, I thought that was a fun little thing. So, uh, Melissa, like I said, we like to really inspire and motivate our audience and stuff. And between you and Dr. Richard, you know, what advice would you give to, like, let's say that there is a young person out there and they don't have access to, like, you know, their parents aren't motivating them or encouraging them. They don't have the coach. Like, what do you say, like, well, and actually maybe what do you say to the parents to say to the kids? And what do you say to those kids to motivate them to kind of like find that switch that you found? It's interesting that you say that. That's kind of my everyday. So obviously I, I love to coach, but when I talk about my job at the village and the role I play there, right? So in the urban communities, it's the opposite where we bring play and sports to them because there aren't the resources for them to be able to have it. Um, so that really kind of resonates with me. Um a big, a big component of it is typically a lot of just belief in that child and building the relationship. So with anything, it, it always starts with the relationships. And, you know, um, Richard will probably laugh because every therapist, psychologist knows, like, we don't give advice, right? So um, Richard would never laugh. No, no. <laughs> no advice. Mm-hmm. Um, but really kind of coach and guide and kind of help them explore what's going on. So the work with the parents too, again, that, that starts with that relationship and their buy-in into kind of what you do and um, building that trust with them. Because once they build that trust and they feel that, you know, you're authentic and you're about wanting to help their family and their, um, their child, they're very much more open to listening. Um, they want to hear what you have to say. Um, it's a, it's a tricky battle because many families come in with their own, their own issues, their own backgrounds from families and have their own belief systems about things. Um, more, some families are more receptive to others. Um, but again, it's, it's not necessarily giving the advice, it's kind of suggesting, um, making recommendations and things like that of, of having kids try different things, asking them what makes their children smile, um, are there different activities that they've done together as a family and what have they noticed? So a lot of times it's just trying different things or playing in the park or taking a ball and just having some fun. Um, with children, I usually try and figure out what they like. So we'll engage in various activities together as we we're talking and having a conversation. Um, and it's figuring out kind of where their passion lies and what they're interested in. Um, again, you can't motivate someone from the outside. And, and I do have to say, um, you know, Dr. Lisek talked about this book, Why We Do What We Do. And I immediately went and read it and it resonated with me big time. So we live in a society where we're all on consequences and rewards. And that's how our school system works. And that's how our programs operate. Um, and we think that these ex- extrinsic rewards are what motivates people. Um, yet, it, it motivates for a short period of time, but you're motivating for the reward. It's not rewarding for the actual activity. Um, and that's where we're, we're missing, we're missing the bigger picture there um, and helping our children. So parents who, you know, want to bring in their beliefs or, you know, I'll give you 25 bucks if you score a goal, you know, great. There's a motivation to get the money that doesn't change a child's passion about the game. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic. So again, in, in building fact, that relationship, really getting reduce, into it can reduce the passion. In fact, 
some studies yeah, on yeah, yeah when absolutely. you start putting in external rewards and you're doing it for that you start to go gee what did i what, you question that love that you felt yeah. and so uh i want to say hello daniel rotberg is tuned in hello all daniel. right farmer dan um <laughs> you know believe it or not just like the year goes by fast this show goes by so fast we have just a little over five minutes left to the show um dr richard and melissa in these last few minutes that we have you here, Melissa, first of all, Dr. Richard, I'd like you to just, you know, ask something to Melissa, and then Melissa will have you wrap up with a message you'd like to leave our audience with. But I know you have a million things you'd like to discuss with Melissa, but what do you got, Dr. Well, Richard? Well, I just want to highlight, you know, it's like the, the, the when I hear, when you ask the question, how do you build this relation, how do you help someone, and Melissa earlier talked about safe spaces, and then I already hear the parent, you know, when you're in a dangerous or, or more traumatic environment and she didn't say I come in as the expert. She didn't say I come in and advise them. Right. You know, all about very this important yes. interpersonal neurobiology, developing trust. Right. So maybe maybe that's where we can kind of leave off, you know, and, and, and so you got to have the trust before you can create the play because the family has to trust you to drop their defenses as well. So. I guess, you know, maybe some tip on, on how do you create that space when there isn't, you know, the environments that, that, that we have, when there isn't actual physical safe parks or whatever. How do you create that environment even in the smallest way and with children have sometimes been through the harshest of circumstances? Yeah, I think um, the most important thing is to be consistent and set expectations and be an active listener get to know them and really listen and be there for them. Um, a big a big issue a lot of times, especially with children with trauma or who haven't been exposed to some of the joys and things that we have been is that they haven't had structure, that their life is so unpredictable. So the first way we create that space is by providing that structure, by providing the consistency um, and being there for them, no matter what the situation. Um, there's no pressure. It's, you know, if they're not ready to participate, if they're struggling, okay, well, can you participate by observation? What would help you feel safe? Um, connecting them to other kids that we feel um, they would bond together. Um, being able to give them leadership opportunities. We constantly acknowledge, um, you know, myself and the, the clinical team are constantly looking at um, how do we how do we praise and work with the strengths? Um, so it's not just about good job. It's it's recognizing those little things that they do well and really highlighting that, um, and really cherishing the joy. So we always we always end kind of any session or anything that we're doing with talking about you know what were what were the wins, um, what went well, what were the what were the connections, and having children be able to you know identify those things as part of their teaching too, and being able to recognize you know what they were feeling what did it feel like to feel safe what did it feel like to play and not think about uh, the possibility of something bad happening um, so again really that consistency the relationship and providing that that structure for kids and if there was one way that your coach gave you that gift at a key moment for you how would therapist coaches out there create that space so can you say that again in a for, way? For like one, you know, if there was someone like you or someone going along who was struggling to find that space, to find their why, to find mm -hmm. um, that bond or that leadership, what is one way that we could learn to create that? What's one thing that that coach did for you that was creative and different that somehow shaped the whole course of the, the leadership and direction you've taken? You know, the, the big thing for me was just believing in me. And I think the balance, um, I wasn't one. So obviously I was a perfectionist. I had a very difficult time with criticism. So I had a lot of learning with myself, recognizing um, the work that you have to make mistakes in order to be a better player. Um, and my, you know, college coach really helped me see that as well. Um, and just kind of establish that fearless, like you go out there, you give it your all. And, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have sports. There wouldn't there wouldn't be an exciting life without the ups and downs, right? You have to make mistakes. You have to have things that happen. Um, so I think just just that belief in me um, and knowing when to challenge, right? It wasn't 
it wasn't fake. It was recognizing this is who you are. These are your talents. I believe in you, but this is what you have to do in order to get there. And, um, so and it's Melissa, uh, challenging to give you, you know, to make sure that you're able to take your skills, you know, and apply them, not just that, that comfort and support. That's amazing that's advice. Amazing. And speaking of talents, we only have a minute left. You have incredible talents. Jarvis, can you put up a picture here real quick? Uh, you are a fitness, incredible fitness fiend. You're a beast. We are showing some pictures here of pull-ups and barbells and deadlifts and kicking big tires and rings, the rings which are usually for I men. Need, I need a tire. For Unbelievable. <laughs> so we didn't even get to get into all that, but all the advice that both of you have given for, for the kids out there and for the parents and the coaches teaching have been incredible. And, uh, and yeah, we, we are literally just about out of time. So Melissa, if the folks out there want to reach you, what's the best way to reach you? Well, we could go to the village website, www.villageforfamiliesandchildren.org. It's something like that. If you type it in, it'll be, you'll get it. Um, you can email me at mlambert at thevillage.org. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, uh, mlambert7. So any of those ways you can easily reach me. Amazing. And Debbie, who's watching, said, hey, great thoughts. Richard and Melissa, she totally agrees. Sports participation and their relationship with their coaches have posi- positively impacted her children to cope with the difficulties of their past because they've she's adopted a lot of kids from wow. hard hard places. Thanks so you guys sharing. have really motivated her as well. And thanks for sharing that, Debbie. So Melissa, Melissa Lambert, thank you so much for staying up so late on the East Coast <laughs> yeah. and being with us. Drink it was some chamomile incredible. tea. It takes a few minutes to calm down after the show. So thank you, I Melissa. Think so. I had a lot of coffee today. <laughs> I might be up all night. All right. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. And now we basically have to wrap it up. We'll be back in two weeks on Monday, August 7th with Dr. Christina Real, who you also met in Cleveland. And we're going to be, we are going to be talking to her about the role of sports psychology in hockey, anxiety in sports, stigma associated with psychology in sports. So it's going to be very exciting. So uh, until then, this is Richard Listens on Sports. We'll see you in two weeks. Thanks, Dr. Richard. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.